Welcome to Local Share Green Action Podcast. This show is produced by Go Green Locally, a 501c3 nonprofit providing tools and resources for people that are looking for ways to take even more successful local action that makes a difference for our people and our planet. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with a woman who has been a professional in the green home industry and multiple building associations, helping people discover and live in more sustainable, eco-friendly, and healthy homes. I'm speaking with Marla Esser Close of Green Home Coach. Marla helps people discover and create better homes for healthier, more comfortable lives. She brings 15 plus years working with green certified homes and projects and applying the knowledge gained through multiple green and wellness accreditations. She hosts the Everyday Green Home podcast and is the author of Living Green Effortlessly, Simple Choices for a Better Home. She serves on several National Association of Home Builders subcommittees related to sustainable building and healthier homes and communities. Locally in Oklahoma City, she helps produce Built My Future Oklahoma City, a hands-on construction career day for high school students and Construct My Future, a construction day camp for middle school students. Welcome to the show, Marla. Thank you. Thank you. You make me sound wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to speak with you and just share your path of green action that led to your work in the green home industry and being a green home coach. Thank you. Yeah. So what planted the seeds in your mind to start implementing maybe a more earth-friendly practice initially? I actually give a lot of credit to my grandmother. She was a young woman during the Depression, so the waste-not-want-not mentality was very strong with her. And I always remember, use it up, make it do without, I can't remember the proverb, I used to have it sitting on my desk, but so many people in that time just made do with whatever they could. And I always admired that and just stuck with me. And then when my kids were young, we started encountering health issues. And I so I'd already started on this Be Wise About Resources event, but I didn't really know a lot then. But when we started having some of these chemically related health issues and I started digging into stuff, I started connecting the dots. And that was really when I started doing more for us. And then I had an opportunity to work with a friend of mine who was starting up an energy efficiency boutique consultancy. And I felt like I'd come home. I was like, this is really a great world. There was at the time I lived in St. Louis, and there's actually a very strong sustainability culture and network there. And it was, it truly felt like coming home. Wow. That's awesome. So how did your career start in the direction of green homes? You just, yeah. yeah so it started working with my friend in his energy efficiency consultancy boutique or firm. And I did a lot of their marketing and sales and outreach with that firm for several years. And then he and I decided to part ways. He wanted to go more technical and I wanted to go more mainstream. And one of the things that we had been working on in the green home certification programs, there's actually a requirement for homeowner education and documentation, which if you think about it, makes a lot of sense because it's not just what we build you or remodel for you. It's how you take care of it and how you live in it that really makes a difference. And you really need both parts, right? Yeah. So this homeowner manual that we'll call it at the time, 
we had been working on those together and I took that part of the business and I ended up producing a software and service solution back in, oh gosh, it's been over 12 years that actually met the requirements for the green home certification programs, notably the national green building standard, which is the one I've worked with the most over the last 12 years. And that really was the beginning to me consulting and working with people was bringing that part of the equation into the whole picture. And it gave me an opportunity to work with lots of great professionals on building and remodeling green certified single family homes, multifamily homes, and fell into it, honestly. Sometimes you just say yes. <laughs> and I'd said yes. <laughs> but it continued to grow from there. And I've actually changed the name of the company several times, as well as the direction and Green Home Coach came about six or seven years ago. And that one really felt much more like what we'd actually been doing over the years was really working with people to to teach them and to coach them, to mentor them and how anybody can have a better home. Excellent. That's great. When did you start to see a shift maybe in the marketplace with it becoming more prevalent with more eco-friendly options and products and, and services? Really the last probably five to eight years, we've seen a notable shift where there's been more of a mainstream movement. And part of what the biggest shift we've seen is that almost every manufacturer now offers a line or multiple lines of products that are more eco-friendly, that are healthier, that are better in some way, shape, or form, be it a low or no VOC paint, or be it a low flow or water sense certified faucet. And you think of all the hundreds of components that go into making our homes, and every single one of those components has an opportunity to be better. And there's always trade-offs. There's never a free ride. But having better options, and a lot of manufacturers are putting those better options out there as their primary offering. Some are even electing just to go that way 100%, which I think makes a lot of sense. Why well, have multiple manufacturing lines? But the first few years I was in this, oh my gosh, in the early or the mid-2000s, we spent 90% of our time educating people and just teaching them the vocabulary and the basic concepts. And at least we've gotten to the point where a lot more people understand something. They may misunderstand a lot, but they understand something. So we, I do feel like we've made some progress. Excellent. Excellent. Before learning about your work, I had not really even heard of green home coaching can you explain some of the many reasons why people will benefit from hiring a green home coach? Yeah. And actually, since it's the name of my company, I may be the only one that's technically a green home coach, but you will find lots of green home consultants out there. You will also find lots of health and wellness consultants out there. And we're starting to cross over and recognizing that the benefits that we can help people achieve are usually the same. And one of the things that I like to point out to people is we've spent a lot of time focused on what we put in our bodies, the food, the water, other substances that we put into our bodies. We've spent a lot of time focused on what we put on our bodies, skincare, personal care products, shampoos, et cetera. And now it's time to focus on where our bodies live, what is surrounding us. And that's what our home is. Our homes and our building provide that. 
And now I think I got so off course, I forgot the original question. Just really how people can benefit. Ah, how people can benefit. So the biggest thing is by having a better environment around your body is going to be improving the circumstances for your body. And health, comfort, all of that really adds up. And those are two huge needs for human beings. So having that capacity to be more comfortable and healthier in our own homes is obviously something we all want. The scary part is is that most of us don't know that we can do it. And we don't even recognize that our homes are oftentimes even making us sick. So that's the scary part. You got to face that part first. Yeah. I don't think everyone realizes how much off-gassing goes on and for the extent of time it can be going on. Quite a bit. And ventilation is the number one thing that we need to improve. And it's the number one thing that we don't do well. And we always joke in the industry that it's not HVAC, it's the hidden V in HVAC, but it's supposed to be heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. (laughs) And ventilation gets left out a lot. And part of the reason ventilation is so crucial is because that fresh air helps to dilute anything that we can't get out. And that improves our health outcomes. You know, obviously people are all living in different types of buildings. Some are older, some are maybe built in the 90s and on up to being newer. Can you say that there are things that you can do to help somebody that's an existing home that maybe isn't looking to do any major renovations all the way up to buying, like maybe give us just like a little sprinkle of an idea of might be some things that they can look at. And actually that applies a lot. A lot of people ask me, if I'm renting a place, what can I do? And so first of all, what bugs you or what, you know, are you concerned about in your home? Let's go on the health aspect because that's one that we usually all have in common. So for starters, you can look at the kind of products you're bringing into your home. Are you bringing things in that may potentially off-gas or have toxic off, toxic issues? So green cleaners, or cleaners is a great place to start. And uh, just... Yeah. Think about it. If we're cleaning with stuff that has noxious fumes and toxins in it, we're defeating the purpose, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So that's a great place to start. Air freshener and fragrances is another one as potentially anything with fragrance in it. Fragrance is a secret secret weapon (laughs) for formulations for people that are making products because they don't have to disclose what's in the fragrance because it can be perceived as a trade secret. So you don't know what the heck's going in there. I happen to be personally very sensitive to petrochemicals and can smell a lot of them about several hundred feet away. And I'm very sensitive to it. And so I've got I've learned to spot what, what has it and what doesn't. But getting those products out, we had a friend that was having horrible headaches and we started asking her what was going on and she was doing the plug-in air fresheners. Mm-hmm. We said, take those out. And her headaches went away within a few days. So sometimes we just don't realize that we may have a sensitivity to things. And once we're introducing a lot of synthetics into our lives, then we are upping the chances that we will be sensitive to something or develop a sensitivity to it. A lot of asthma and allergy related symptoms comes, many of them come from things in our homes. If you have an opportunity to live in a place with hard surface flooring as opposed to carpets, much easier to keep hard surface clean than it is carpets because carpets are an actual filter, especially the lovely shaggy frisé ones like what's in my office that we have not yet replaced. Um, so you 
do have to pick and choose because it's not going to all work. And if you can't do everything, then do something. So for instance, maybe you don't have a great ventilation system yet, but you can run air purifiers in your home and open the windows every few days. So that would at least be a step in the right direction because everything's got a good, better, best to it. And doing something is always better than doing nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned in one of your episodes, an air filter that seems to work differently than the, the standard air filters that we are using in central AC and heating systems. And, and, and there's a lot of options. And it's I'm in the business and it's challenging to know which one's best for any given situation. And sometimes you just have to go with an answer because done is always better than perfect. And getting some good air filtration is going to be better than getting none. But there's some great reviews out there. We all use everything on the internet now for reviews and other people's insights. So definitely look to those when you're looking to make some decisions. But an air purifier and finding some way to ventilate your home is a good investment no matter what. And that works in a rented home, in an old home, a new home, or any home. Yeah. Okay. That's makes a lot of sense. I've really enjoyed listening to many of your everyday home, green home podcast episodes. I think you have really some very valuable information resources that people can benefit from you. If you could pick just maybe three episodes where you shared a particularly helpful product, service, or organization that might be interesting to our listeners, what might those be? One of my very favorite episodes of all times is The Home Detective. And the woman I interviewed, this was years ago, back when I first started the podcast, she's actually a home energy assessor. And she's been in thousands of homes and the stories that she has to tell about homes and the things that she sees that get missed by builders and remodelers is a little astonishing. <laughs> but that is one of my all-time favorites. Kelly was just a lot of fun to interview as well and so passionate about her work to help people improve their homes and to live a better life in their homes. So that's my all-time favorite. Another one of my favorites is I'm looking to do an updated version with her too. It's with Carrie Klaus of Realty Sage. And Realty Sage is a platform for people looking to buy or sell a home that has some kind of green or sustainable features or is certified as a whole as a home. So I think of it as um, Zillow for green homes. <laughs> That's my words, not hers. But that episode talking about the benefits of a listing service where we can list better homes is really a new way to look at how we can all find better homes and live in better homes when we're buying and selling. Because that's when a lot of our behavior changes happens when we're buying and selling a home. And let's see, what was my third favorite? Well, there's a whole series of podcasts that I did. We did last year, We Wicked Problems. And this was with my podcast partner, Tony who we pick seasons that we can podcast together, but he and I have been podcasting together off and on for six years. And we get in some wild and woolly debates. And some of these wicked problems ones over the last year, we got into some really sticky wickets and talked through some really tough issues. And he and I don't always agree. So sometimes there's a little bit of spirited debate, but we always come out with something for our listener to go forward with and to learn more about. Nice. Yeah, I did listen to some of them and yeah, get you thinking. Exactly. And wicked problems are all around us and they're 
not necessarily solvable like a traditional problem. It's something that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of different parties doing a lot of different things. Yeah. But there are a lot of our big issues in our life right now. Yeah, for sure. So we spoke a little bit before today, and you mentioned that you think realtors are actually making a big contribution and potentially a big impact in green homes. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, I believe that realtors have an opportunity to be change agents in our housing stock. And the biggest reason I believe that is because that is the one set of professionals that's involved with buying and selling homes. And that's when most of us learn the most about a home is when we're buying or selling it and we're paying attention. We're trying to figure out this new thing and realtors and real estate professionals have an opportunity to be much more of an advisor and to also help the home, let's say the home buyer, for instance, identify gaps in the home. So making lemonade out of lemons, some, some fault or shortcoming of the home, it may be an opportunity for vast improvement. Mm -hmm. And with the Inflation Reduction Act coming on board this year with lots of money to help improve homes, there's even a bigger opportunity for realtors and real estate professionals to help their home buyers utilize those kinds of funds to improve those homes that they're buying. Yeah. So there's, I believe, tremendous opportunity out there. We will hear a lot more about the Inflation Reduction Act over the next few months. We haven't really seen a lot of the rules, especially for the rebates and incentives yet, but it's over $4 billion that's being put to improve housing, our technology and clean energy. So excellent. Wow. That's serious money. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That makes, it makes a lot of sense. If someone is updating or renovating their existing home, what do you think is one of the leading and often overlooked aspects that they really should consider? Ventilation. Back to ventilation. We, so oftentimes when we upgrade our heating and cooling systems, we don't even give ventilation a second thought. And the more airtight we build our homes, which we should, because how do you keep the icky stuff out, building it airtight? How do you keep the heat or the cold out, depending which time of year it is, building it tight? But that means now we've now locked you in with whatever is in your house. And you really don't want the air that's in your house that you're breathing. How many times a day do we breathe? <laughs> 20 something thousand times a day. Yeah. And we have no choice about breathing. We do have a choice about what we eat, what we put on our bodies, what we drink. We do not have a choice about the air we breathe, except for what we can do for the environment that we are in. So making that environment as safe as you can, and everybody's at a different point with that, is going to be one way to significantly impact the air that you're breathing every day. So I don't I think we all just take it for granted. It's, hey, it's the air around me. That's what I got. And so to delve into that a little bit further. So if somebody has an exist existing heating and cooling system, maybe a central system, how do you see them improving that? Are you talking about like bringing some kind of house fan that's going to pull air and a part of this can depend on the climate that you're in. So do rely on your local professionals because there are some regional differences. But one of the things that is the best to do if you can is a whole house ventilation unit called an energy recovery ventilator or a heating recovery ventilator. 
And these actually work to bring in fresh air and to exhaust stale air in the house and can work in line with your central system or they can work separately with a separate set of ducting. Um, it is the priciest option to bringing in good ventilation, but it's also going to give you the best ventilation options in a home. There's a number of other ways to do it. It may be something as a fresh air baffle that comes into your central air system and brings in fresh air. A balanced approach is always going to be best. So you're exhausting some, you're bringing in some. Even as simple as opening the windows every few days or leaving a window cracked if it's not 20 degrees outside can bring in some fresh air. There's, a, there's different ways to go at it, but we do not purposefully think about how to get fresh air into our homes. And you think about it, we actually recycle the air in our homes because your supply brings air into your home from your central unit. And then your return sucks the air out of your house, takes it back up to the unit, heats or cools it, and then delivers it back into the house and filters it on the way. Yeah. But that's it. There's no new air introduced. So you were just recycling the air. And we saw this during COVID, especially when people were getting sick so fast from the air and we couldn't quite figure out how. And that was a big part of it is it, it's airborne and it was circulating through our ventilation systems and our heating and cooling system very quickly. Yeah. So we learned a lot. <laughs> hopefully we did. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, right. How do you suggest people talk with let's say if they're going to purchase a new home, how they speak with a potential builder about some of these things? Maybe if they don't have a home coach. Well, actually, let's just start on a different question. That is, if you are going to hire a green home coach, is that someone that you can hire just in your area? Or do you yourself work with people in multiple states? How does that work? I can work anywhere. Thank goodness for things like Zoom and remote access, I can truly work anywhere. Matter of fact, I just started working with a family up in Michigan. So who found me online? And we may never have to meet in person. We may. We can always get in a car or go get on an airplane and buy my carbon offset renewals. <laughs> Not renewals exchange. What do they call those? The carbon offsets. That's what it is. But because there's a set of guidelines that we really look at when we're looking at how a home is put together or remodeled. Those kind of guidelines, those specifications can be put together in line with a person or a person's goals. So what's really important to you in your home. And then that can be in turn taken to the architect, the builder to help the homeowner have that conversation with the builder and or the architect. Now, the other option is you find a builder who's already building certified green homes. And there's actually a website for the National Green Building Standard called ngbs.com that people can go to and find a builder in their state or the state they want to go to that's building National Green Building certified homes or apartments to rent. There's similar tools for other green certification programs. And there's a tool to see if a home has a green certification for existing homes, but doesn't necessarily apply for new homes. But I'm a big believer in independent third-party certifications, because that's a way of bringing somebody else into the picture that looks over the shoulder and says that something was actually done the way it was supposed to be done. 
management rather than relying on someone asserting that themselves and following up on that. So there's a lot of programs out there for both energy efficiency and green homes. And now we're also starting to see a number of health and wellness certification programs that can layer with those other programs or act on their own. Excellent. Let me ask you, do you find that there are very many architects that are also designing with not just green standards, like I'm not talking about materials, but really understanding direction of the sun and shading and just these things that are maybe more passive ways of saving energy and things like that. Not enough, not near enough. And many of them learn these principles in architecture school, but they're not sought after commercially. And most of the green and sustainable building that we do see right now is in the commercial sector. We are seeing a lot in multifamily because it straddles the commercial and residential world. And a lot of, there's a, actually a lot of incentive for investors and people that are financing these projects to have them certified green or sustainable. So that's helping to drive in the multifamily arena specifically. The single family homes is a little harder. And it's also a lot of our building in the United States is our built by small volume builders, people that build 25 or fewer homes a year. So those small businesses survive by being able to build enough homes and making one change to the host of variables that happens in the building industry can really offset a business. Mm -hmm. So for them to make a change takes oftentimes a whole new approach to their business model. So it's not something to be taken lightly. And people that have had the best success that have wanted to have a home built in a specific way have been going to custom home builders. Mm -hmm. And that's a custom home builder because of the way they build is already in a position where they can oftentimes incorporate new practices, new materials much easier than a production builder can. Mm -hmm. But there are production builders building green certified homes in various parts of the country. Okay. And even if you're living in a part of a country where maybe it is newer to attract home builder, do you find that there's still various options that people can consider, even if it's just the paint and carpeting yeah. and flooring, et cetera? Exactly. And so I live in Oklahoma right now, and we have a program here called the Positive Energy Program, which is sponsored by one of our utilities. And it's strictly an energy efficiency program, but it, it's something. And if you couple that with low or no VOC paints, maybe adding a little ventilation on your own or asking the builder to upgrade the heating and cooling units with some ventilation, then you've already got the foundation. And with a few ad small additions, we can make that home much healthier just by building on what was there to begin with. So sometimes it's just knowing enough to know what questions do I ask and how do I dig into understanding more what the builder's truly offering and what upgrades they offer? Because a lot of times their upgrades will help to reach some of the goals that you as a homeowner may have. Yeah, it's interesting because the home that we bought had low E windows. And I think that was the first time I've ever, we've ever seen that as an offering. It's a tract home area. Yeah, that's, yeah. I wanted to ask, actually, how do you suggest that people talk to a potential builder about these things? Um, yeah. 
First thing you got to know what you're talking about. So you got to get a little educated. And I actually, I'm going to toot my own home for a second. I offer two classes online that people can sign up for. One of them is based on a series of podcasts. So it's very conversational, very laid back. That one is a great place to start for anybody called What Makes a Green Home Green. And then I also offer a two-hour workshop for home professionals to learn about the benefits of green features in homes and how they can actually incorporate them into their business and like a designer, a realtor, or a builder. So those, again, both are just super introductory courses, but to help people get the vocabulary, the basic concepts, so you have some idea where you're starting. That's the first step is to get that kind of an understanding. The second step is knowing what you want. So knowing what kind of things are important to you and how to how to go about asking for them is really the second part. And that means understanding your priorities and your values and then doing some research to understand how that aligns with the builder. Because if you're on totally opposite spectrums, it's going to be a really hard conversation. But finding a builder that's open to those ideas or that maybe is already doing some of them and you just need to go a little bit further mm -hmm. is typically going to be a much easier relationship to establish. And then the third thing is have some flexibility. Know that there's trade-offs and you're not going to likely get everything you want unless you really have a great budget <laughs> because everything comes at a cost. And that's back to your priorities and your values and knowing what's most important will help you to focus on the things that are going to be the biggest outcome to you and people living with you in the house. No, that makes a lot of sense. So to slightly shift the conversation, I wanted to also ask you about career day, a hands-on construction day camps that I got to listen to a little bit about one of your episodes. I wanted to ask you maybe how much of an investment might be required to set up this type of arrangement for different communities across the country, because I'm sure the, the community I live in is not the only one that is definitely struggling to find people that are qualified right. to fill these jobs. To start with, thank you for bringing them up. I kind of lucked into getting into the workforce development world, and I've really loved being a part of it. And as part, I'm, there's a council in the National Association of Home Builders and our local home builder associations called Professional Women in Building. And we are dedicated to diversity and lifting women up in the building industry. And so it was our little group of professional women in building in Oklahoma City that helped to bring Build My Future here to Oklahoma City. Build My Future is in about 30-ish different locations around the country now. It started in Springfield, Missouri, I think six or seven years ago, and they've been very generous and have shared all their templates and all their plans and everything that they've done with whomever is interested in holding one of these. So far, it has been mainly home builder associations and related types of organizations that have hosted these or a collaboration of different stakeholders in the community. Build My Future is typically a one or two day career exploration event for high school students. Some locations are going down to middle schools as well with the career exploration day. It is typically put on through some kind of sponsorships and it varies vastly in who brings what to the table. But you need a big place to hold it because it's like a big trade show, but 
every booth, instead of being a table with information, is something to do. So maybe it's a nail hammering contest, or maybe it's driving a simulator, or maybe it's finishing concrete, or laying bricks, or cutting tile. The imagination can go crazy with the hundreds of tasks that happen in the building industry. And part of the really fun part is getting your activity vendors to come to the table with something really fun and creative. So some of our companies have gotten really gotten their employees involved and had like almost competitions to see who can come up with really fun stuff. But it's a chance for these high school students to put their hands on some of this stuff. And with so many of our high schools not having shop classes anymore, there's just not as many opportunities for hands-on as there used to be. Yeah. Now, the good news is they're starting to come back. We are starting to recognize that we have cut off a whole segment of industry and workforce development and really great jobs. And now that the skilled labor and the skilled trades and the building industry is really starting to gray out, we're recognizing there's nobody behind them to bring up the rear. We will not make this up overnight, but getting people, adults that want to retrain into new jobs, there's lots of opportunities available. For high schoolers, there's oftentimes an opportunity to dual enroll in a career tech program while you're getting your high school diploma finished up. So we have a lot of students here in Oklahoma that do that. So taking advantage of some of these different programs to help help people understand there's really great careers out there and how do they get started and how do they use the resources that are out there to get them into good paying jobs really fast. We hear stories of people in their young 20s earning $50,000, $60,000 already with no debt. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah, there's a lot of enticement to it. And I think a lot of people are starting to seek out more active jobs, just not sitting at a desk all day long. And oh my gosh, there's nothing better than the building industry and the skilled trades to provide that, as well as the satisfaction of knowing you're helping to build a community. And there's a lot to be said for that. So there's been a lot of rebranding going on around talking about workforce development and the skilled trades in the building industry. And Build My Future is one way we're doing that. And then locally here, we brought on the construction camp, Construct My Future, which is actually a week-long day camp for middle schoolers Again, completely sponsored. The students pay a nominal fee, really more of a commitment fee to make sure they show up. And the rest is taken care of through our sponsors and our activity vendors who all come to the table and are willing to put money behind this because they see that we've got to get people back into the industry. And the younger we start, the better. So we're seeing a lot of interest from private businesses. Construct My Future is a third to half organizations and the rest is businesses that have really stepped up to the plate to make it happen. That's but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. It's very exciting to see the light bulbs go off in some of these young people's heads when they look at something and go, I had no idea. One of the first Build My Futures we did, we had a young woman who actually is on the interview and she said, I never really thought about there being more to building than just hammering nails, but there's a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like, yes, thank you. There is a whole bunch of stuff. Nice. Yeah, I think that's excellent. And also it's just, it's great to start formal training and learning a trade so that there maybe are going to be less people that are in the marketplace that maybe don't really know what they're doing and actually can cause more harm than good. (laughs) 
That's going to be True. <laughs> um, True. So what are maybe some of the challenges that you've faced doing what you're doing? Maybe doubts of others, your own doubts, financial hurdles, getting the word out about the work that you do. The biggest challenge for me has being a one-person show. I partner with a lot of different businesses out there, and that's helped. But there's just a lot to be done. <laughs> Only one person. So figuring out where I have been able to have the biggest impact and still bring in some financial reward has been a changing target over the years. Um, we've also had some personal health issues in our family that we've had to deal with during this time. So that's made it even a little more challenging, but we're still standing and we're still moving forward. And there's actually some very exciting prospects on the horizon for this year. So I'm very encouraged about that. But the whole idea of partnerships and teaming up with other people is really, I think, the key for someone that's in a solopreneur situation like I am. And that's been one of the biggest benefits of the podcast is that it has helped really to get the reach out there. And I'm very blessed that I get people all the time. Oh, I listen to your podcast. And like, Thank you. And there's a lot more podcasts out there than there was when I started. The fact that I'm still out there, I think, is says something. <laughs> Either I'm stubborn or I'm persevering. Oh, that's excellent. So what are maybe some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work? I feel like we're finally starting to see some progress. And seeing the Inflation Reduction Act passed was definitely felt like some progress. Once we start to see a lot of homes and lives improved because of it, I think we will feel much more of that progress. And it's really, the thing that's really starting to change, and it's you're starting to hear it some, is the connection between individual health and the health of our communities and our world. And we've treated this as separate things for so long, and it's not separate. The farmer that doesn't have to handle toxic chemicals is going to have a better life as well as the people that eat the produce from the farm are not going to have to deal with all the chemicals as well as all the people in between that are handling everything. So this connection that it's not all in an isolation, that health and that improving on the environment is the health of our world, right? And so connecting the dots there and having people starting to understand that, I think, changes the perspective because you have a personal stake in it and you start to see what that personal stake is. And it's been hard for people to understand the whole, I used to laugh because I really, it's like, I really don't care about the polar bears. I care about us, but the polar bears have been a marker for what's happening, could happen to us. And but we don't make that connection very well. So helping, there's a lot going on with marketing about how we talk about all this how we help people understand that it's really all about people. And I'm a believer that the earth will heal itself no matter what we do to it. We even saw some of that during COVID. But what happens to us is up to us. <laughs> Being a little smarter about it might, might behoove us. Yeah. The earth might survive, but there's a lot of wildlife that might not <laughs> if we don't. Yeah, we probably wouldn't know. But yes. Um, but yeah, just to see how fast little pieces of the earth healed just during the shutdown, 
a little miraculous, I think, for a lot of us to recognize that, oh, wow, there's a big piece here. I think the recognition that climate change is something we've got to do something about in our lifetimes, my lifetime, hopefully my working lifetime before I decide to retire, we get we just have finally, I think, gotten the gotten it embodied in our heads that this has got to happen. This is serious. We don't have time. And how that relates to our individual health is now becoming more and more prominent. So I'm not a doomsdayer, but sometimes we do need to see, hey, this is serious. Yeah. Certainly, even if you didn't believe in climate change and just listen to the news these days, like what's happening in Ohio, where you have yep. a chemical spill and hey, it's in your environment. And trust me, it's going to get to you somehow if it's in your environment, air, water. Yeah, there's yeah. just so many. And yeah, when you're in a community, you're all sharing that together. Yes. If you're on one part of town versus the other part of the town. Yeah. So. And I'm a cancer survivor, so it's very personal to me what's happened with my kids but now me and the biggest reason for cancer especially breast cancer is lifestyle and environment yeah even if you do a lot about it it still happens so you it's what we all do about it collectively that really starts to move the needle and change things up yeah I've always felt a little disturbed by it's only the raised race for the cure and thinking it needs to be a little bit of balance. It needs to be race for the cause also. So yeah. Yeah. Limiting that. So if your ideas, your experience and your wisdom were all wrapped up in new seeds of potential action, what advice would you give to someone who is also considering hiring a green home coach and maybe someone who might aspire to be a consultant someday? So if you're looking to hire someone like me to work with, like any other home professional that you work with, find somebody that has shared values with you and you feel free to ask some tough questions because you want to make sure that you're barking up the same tree, so to speak. So getting on the same page, at least in how your priorities lay out, will be a really good first step actually to working with any home professional. Sometimes we feel like we don't have any choice because so many of our home repairs can at a moment of crisis, but doing a little homework ahead of time and knowing which providers are going to meet your priorities will help you out a lot when you do get to those situations. I love working with people all over the country and have a couple of different ways of working. There's all kinds of information on my website about how to work with me if that's something you're interested in. And if you want to get into green home consulting, the first thing I suggest is get education and not just education on the programs, but building science education, really understanding at least at a high level, what makes up a home and all the components and how they come together. Because if we don't build a good structure to begin with, then we just don't, that's the foundation for all of the other practices that we're going to build. So I actually am most confident when we're working with a green certification program and then building on top of that with health and wellness practices, because that gives us a much more comprehensive approach to go at the entire project, be it a new construction or be it remodel. But it gives us that, that opportunity mm -hmm. to take so many more of the things into account that we might not be taking into account if we weren't doing that. Yeah, Because you have to think about how it all plays together. 
not just the energy or the water, but also how the materials are used. How are they optimized? How does it interact with the land where it sits? And then how does all that impact our indoor environmental quality? And last but not least, how do we train and educate the people living there to live in their home the best they can? So that lays the good foundation for bringing in additional health and wellness practices, basing those on clean air, clean water, natural light, as well as our wellness and behaviors in chemical control. That's what a lot of us think about. But all of that plays together to give us that health, wellness, and green or sustainable outcomes. And if you think about what sustainable really means, it means the ability to go into the future. And that's a lot more than just eco-friendly. It's really a lifestyle that supports us and our future. But getting good education, if you want to be in the consulting world, is a must. There's some great programs that you can go different directions. I carry a whole bunch of accreditations that some of them I use more than others, but different professions and different trades offer different green certifications. So for instance, the Sustainable Furnishings Council offers a green designation. The Realtors offer one. Association of Home Builders offers a certified green professional program. And then of course, you can get trained in LEAD, Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. You can get trained in Passive House. Energy Star. There's a bunch, but they all share the commonality of starting with building science and understanding how a home or a structure goes together. Yeah. And I guess we didn't really get into it, but I do find it how interesting it is that like our homes, I think are rated more to last 60 years where the building going on in other parts of the world, it might be rated more hundred years plus. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it still shocks me how often we just tear down a building and start over. Yeah. We just don't build with the permanence in mind. So it is rather short. That's time. our society, isn't it? We're a throwaway society. So yeah. I think, huh, do we have forests growing that fast that they can just be replenished so quickly? <laughs> Renewable, yes. Yeah. Instantaneously, no. As we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, do you have maybe a favorite resource other than your own, of course, maybe a book, website, or a film that has been particularly inspirational or informative to you? My Probably one of my very favorite websites right now is called Home Performance Counts, and it was a joint project between the National Association of Realtors and the National Association of Home Builders, and it presents one side of two professionals to home professionals and how to talk to clients about green sustainability and home performance. And then the other side is for the homeowner or the home dweller and how to ask the right questions and how to get a little bit more educated on the things that you wanna be discussing with your home professional. So it's a very easy to understand resource. It talks in real terms, like if a client is talking about they don't like this room because it's stuffy. Here might be the causes and here might be the things to talk about them. So it's very formulaic in giving you here's a potential problem. Here's some potential solutions and how to go about it. So I find it extremely helpful. It's a great resource for marketing and for learning how to talk to our clients about how to get them a better home. Nice. Nice. So how can people contact you to hire you? as their green home coach. So you can email me at marlatgreenhomecoach.com 
visit my website, greenhomecoach.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Green Home Coach. <laughs> and of course, I'm probably all the other suspect places, LinkedIn, what else have I missed? Those are my biggies. And if all else fails, go to the website and find the phone number and pick up the phone. Old fashioned. Do you have any final parting words of wisdom that you would like to share? Everybody can do something to make your home a better living experience. You just got to pick a few things and get started. If you haven't yet visited your local green online hub, then please visit gogreenlocally.org and check out the directories for events, groups, businesses, online resources, and local support listings for your area. If you find something is missing, then let us know or just log in and add it. These are community free sharing directories.